0: Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Mad God, a 30 years in the making stop motion animated feature from director Phil Tippett, who is a visual effects artist on so many classic films from Star Wars to Robocop to Starship Troopers, Jurassic Park. And this is his like mad work of genius over all of these years, something he's been going back to in his, uh, you know, little bits of time over these past 30 years, putting this thing together. And it is a wild one. And joining me to talk about it is filmmaker and visual artist, Bradley Andrew. It's his first time here on the show. We had a great time talking about it. A lot of good puzzle pieces to get into. So that is coming up in a second. Before we do get to it, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. And you can, of course, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or on Good Pods or Podchaser or Spotify. There's probably some other places you can rate and review us. And if you've got a little five-star button you can hit, we would appreciate it if you did that wherever it is you're listening. You can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show and where I met Bradley. So uh, I love getting new people here on the show, and it's especially awesome when they come from our group. So that does it. Let's talk about Mad God. And if you haven't seen it yet, it is out today on Shudder. All right, so today we are going to talk about this insane movie, Mad God, and joining me to talk about it, we have got filmmaker and visual artist Bradley Andrew joining me today. Bradley, how's it going? Going great
1: today. How are you doing, David?
0: I am awesome. I'm looking forward to talking about this movie. This is uh, is a weird one. It's, you know we'll get to it as we're, we're talking, but it's going to be such a weird thing to talk about, you know, what movies influenced a movie by somebody who's so influential. And in we're talking about a movie that took him 30 years to make. And it was just clearly his own brainchild. <laughs> like it doesn't really come from anything else. It's, it's kind of a strange one to talk
1: about in our specific format, you know? Right. And he's such a singular artist. It's like who could have influenced someone with such a singular vision who predates so much of this landscape of cinema that we exist in right now. So, you you know, you kind of have to dive into, uh, get a little bit more creative with some of your puzzle pieces. Sure, absolutely. So, before we get too
0: deep into Mad God, it is your first time on the podcast, so uh, why don't you tell people a little about what you
1: do? So, basically, I am a filmmaker, film writer, and a comic writer from upstate South Carolina. Uh, I work with a team, a, group, a production company we started called Refuge Films. We actually just recently finished a feature a couple years ago. It's actually making the festival rounds right now. Nice. A good friend of mine, he's like a brother, a creative brother. He actually directed the film. I did editing on the film and some sound work on the film as well. Mm. And uh, that's playing, like I said, that's playing the festival circuit right now. It's called The Awakening of Lilith. The best way to describe it, I would say... Like a psychological surrealist horror film. Nice. I'm also working on a comic, an independently produced comic called Virtual Graveyard. It's a science fiction, fantasy, horror comic set in the near future. If you're a fan of uh, films like Mad God, you'd probably dig that a lot. Nice. So there's some definite influences there and things of that sort, yes.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I actually got to admit, I didn't really know. Phil Tippett's name, like, going into this. And when I went back and I was like, oh, okay, like, this is everything that's cool when it comes to, like, creature design and, like, uh, like all these kinds of effects. It's, like, such an influential person. And I, I think that that kind of just speaks to maybe part of why it took him so long to be able to make this thing. I mean, I know I, I read some of the behind-the-scenes stuff about how, you know, while working on Jurassic Park, he was like, oh, shit, this is going to kind of be... The, the next, you know, however many years of what effects are. I I don't know if people even want this anymore, but eventually it all came back around. And I mean, now I think, you know, do-it-yourself kind of like crazy visual effects artists are kind of something that's sought after.
1: And, you know, at least in the independent world of cinema. Absolutely. And he's also one of those names, I found, I found it pretty funny. Like you said, it's not an instantly recognizable name, but when you look at his list of credits, it's like, this guy has influenced me since childhood, yeah, you know, yeah. with Star Wars, Jurassic Park, you know, even going into Robocop Starship Troopers. you know Oh Starship Troopers, a huge one. right. <laughs> and the journey and evolution of him as an artist whilst working on this uh, feature film of his is just pretty impressive his resume and just, like I said, all of the films he's worked on. It. Pretty much informed all of our childhood.
0: Yeah, and uh, so in this movie itself, it's out now on Shudder as this is going up, and it was released in little bits and parts, just certain scenes of it as kind of short films over the last few years, and those kind of went in the festival circuit, and I don't know. I feel like I saw one of them at one point, or maybe I—I I, I don't know. I—I've I've gone to a lot of these kind of genre festivals over the years with my own music videos and stuff, and I could swear I've seen some of these scenes before, but it's—it's it's hard to tell. Like I said, you know, in that kind of opening, it's like this is so specifically its own thing, and I, we'll start getting into some puzzle pieces right now. I will say, like a lot of times when I'm like kind of. Uh, introducing the show to people. I'm like, we talk about movies through the lens of what other movies might have inspired it or it at least reminded us of a little bit. And I think this is right. gonna lean on that a little. pieces <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna lean on that a little bit.
1: So uh yeah, let's get into those pieces. What do you have for your first one? So my first piece um actually goes very well with the way you were describing it, actually. Mad God was released in three parts, I believe, through Kickstarter. It was mm-hmm. a film funded through Kickstarter. So for my first piece, it's going to be It's Such a Beautiful Day by Don Hertzfeld. Okay. I actually don't oh. know this. Okay. It's an animated film, and um, it was released in three parts as well as three shorts. They were eventually combined to make an entire feature. Um, mm-hmm. I think you would really dig Don Hertzfeld's style. It's um, It's an animated film, and most of his films they're drawn in a style that is reminiscent of stick figures. Okay. But the best way I could describe his work would be absurdist, surrealist, that type of thing. It's almost like if Charlie Kaufman did an animated uh film. Right. Yeah. And um just the way he released it in the three parts it was very reminiscent of Mad God, how it was done, the sense of humor, um, you know, the psychological dark elements to it as well. It's a very it's a very beautiful poetic film and it does combine bits of live action um, but it's mostly animated and it's, it's an existential surrealist comedy. It's just all these different elements that I feel like Phil Tippett really evolved Mad God over the years. You now you have so many different genre elements in there mm. but you have all these different um, psychological and just these different elements to the film and uh, it's such a beautiful day I really feel like captures that same Spirit. I'm not sure how long it took Don Hertzfeldt to complete the film, but I know it was released in 2012 as a feature. Mm-hmm. But there were three shorts that he collected over to combine into It's Such a Beautiful Day. But I highly recommend his work. If you're a fan of animation, if you're a fan of surrealism, absurdism, you would definitely, uh, I think, appreciate his work. And you could see how it would fall in the line with someone like Phil Tippett and Matt God has the same type of energy.
0: Absolutely. I just brought it up, actually, while you were talking, and I've totally seen one of these shorts before. Uh, I'm not sure which ones. I've never seen the full feature. Uh, But, yeah, that was such a cool, like, cool way of doing animation and of, like, kind of mixing those styles together into into something that's, like, totally unique. I also think, like, I'm going to bring up video games later at some point in this conversation, and I feel like that's been a big influence, that style of uh, It's Such a Beautiful Day, on a lot of these, like, new kind of indie video games, which I don't know if much of a gamer you are. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of these side-scrollers, they use that kind of, like really cool, like, you get the old-school video game uh, gameplay, but with, like, these kinds of unique visual styles in every one of these kind of games, and it's kind of my my thing. Like, I don't like first-person shooters, but I like these kind of
1: games, you know? It's also interesting in the respect of the games you're talking about. they're Most of the time they're throwback games. They're mm-hmm. in a retro style, which is sort of what Mad God feels like at this point, even though he's been working on it for 30 years. To see a film that is so practical with Puppets and just, you know, the stop motion technique that he uses, it feels like such a throwback, even though he's been working on it for such a long period of time. Yeah. Seeing something like that now, it just, you know, it's so tangible and everything feels so real, even though it's so fantastical. So it does feel, I do get what you mean in that sense, because It's Such a Beautiful Day by Don Hertzfeld. also feels like that in the simplistic animation style. There's something about that simplicity with things being practical that almost feels so retro now, but they're all, it's all technology. It's all techniques. It's the, how you apply those techniques to your, the story you're creating. And uh, yeah, I really feel like it's such a beautiful day. would be a great companion piece. It is a bit lighter than Mad God. Mad God yeah. does feel, you know, it's pretty intense. So this is uh, a bit lighter, but it's also, it carries some pretty heavy themes with it. So, I would definitely recommend that as uh, my first piece for sure.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll go on to my first puzzle piece, which is kind of going to be um, a, a bunch of a director's films. It's it's those Ron Frick documentaries like Baraka and Samsara, uh, yep. all those kinds of things. This is just a more messed up version, <laughs> basically. Right. but Yeah, you're just getting this, like, this incredibly detailed look into this world that you, you don't necessarily get to fully understand, but you get to at least see something that you never would have seen elsewhere. And uh, the, those, those documentaries always like create such a visual experience where you, you might, you might leave questioning, like, well, what exactly am I supposed to take away from this? And that's not the point. It's totally an experiential kind of thing. And, and just, seeing something that you'll never see anywhere else and he has really created that kind of world even though this is stop motion and obviously just from his imagination you're you're getting such a detailed world you're seeing so many parts of that world so many of the kind of characters that inhabit that world and the places and the things that go on in it and uh yeah it, it creates such a really cool
1: experience yeah and there's the world he creates in Maggot feel so lived in and so fully realized even though it is stop motion when you're in that type of experience with the films you're talking about they're so immersive with the landscapes and everything that I mean he really does suck you into this world and it's so it feels so lived in because it is he's been working on it for so long you know yeah. it's just it's so tactile and it just it just feels like you're not sure if it's earth I think it's pretty vague on locations but you know it's just the fantastical sets and everything they built for this film it just is like otherworldly and some of those uh documentaries that you mentioned some of the shots in those are just so otherworldly you can't even believe that some of those uh places exist right
0: right it's like this is the real world like it sure looks like it but it i don't know that i'd ever see that if <laughs> right, i was to venture like fu-
1: Futurist vision of uh An alternate uh, reality or something. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's go on to your next piece. Okay. So my next piece is actually in reference to uh, a group of filmmakers. Um, There's two sets, and they are mostly known for working in stop-motion animation with some live action, but the Quay Brothers, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them. Uh, Not by name. Um, Christopher Nolan actually did a documentary on them a few years ago. They're uh, two brothers who do very similar. If you looked up some of their uh, stop motion, they're very surrealist, pretty much like Mad God, very Terry Um, Mm. Gilliam-esque. Another one, Jan Vinkmeijer. He's a Czech surrealist as well, who Mm. works mostly in animation, some live action. He actually did a... Live action. It combines live action and animation ver- version of Alice in Wonderland. I believe in the sixties. Okay. It's just titled Alice. You've probably seen frames from it, yeah, and shots and everything from it. But it's it's in that similar vein of as Mad God, just with the execution, the animation styles, and just the whole weirdness of it all. But the Quay yeah. Brothers and um, they're almost you know. They come from that same school as Jan Zinkmajer, but he's a Czech animator. But their their collective work, all three of those filmmakers, they are great companion pieces together, and I think they would make a great introductory to something like Mad God. For someone who isn't ready to just jump into experimental animation, something like Mad God, this would be a good starter, basically a good appetizer for Mad God. If Mm. you can handle these three filmmakers and they released a lot of shorts and features in there as well. So if you can handle the collective work of these filmmakers, I would, uh, highly recommend that God someone that can, uh, sit through these filmmakers. Yeah. And, you nice. know, they're just On that same level of, uh, weirdness.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and I really need to discover more of that stuff because, you know, we, we talked about the house earlier this year, the Netflix mm-hmm. stop motion animated film. And, uh, Yeah, I I love this stuff, and I just haven't discovered enough of it, and, and I need to... I'm, I'm going to use your puzzle piece as a jumping off point to go to another one on my list, which is kind of the opposite end of the stop motion spectrum. And that is the films of Henry Selleck, uh, the Coraline uh, and the Nightmare Before Christmas absolutely. and all that kind of stuff. You know, obviously a, a little less weird, uh, maybe a mm-hmm. lot less weird, um, but certainly a uh, proof that this kind of thing can go over and that there is an audience out there for, you know, this kind of movie to... Uh, really be received well by, you know, especially horror fans, but, you know, really just any kind of audience that maybe, you know, we talked earlier about how Phil Tippett was, you know, unsure if, you know, the world of stop motion was really wanted anymore in the, in the age of CG, but just to show that there are people out there who are still into these things and do want to see these kinds of movies and so you know, even if it's a little more mainstream Henry Selick's films do show that there are people out there that want this stuff
1: Absolutely and I actually had uh, Tim Burton on my list I think Mm -hmm. he's worth mentioning not as an influence on Tippett but just for bringing stop motion into the mainstream especially when I was a kid growing up in the uh, early to late 90s early 2000s you know Tim Burton was the first person you saw who brought that type of animation to the mainstream, and you know tried to bring it back, but wasn't always successful with that. You know, he people like Ray Harryhausen, who I also have on my list. Sure. Tim Burton is the uh, type of guy who introduces you to those old masters, maybe that you yeah. haven't heard of. You've maybe seen the films on television when you were younger, but you know he was the first person who introduced me to all of these great um, actors, these great character actors and people like Harryhausen and all the pioneers of animation, specifically stop-motion. So I do think, along with uh, Henry Selick, Tim Burton is a name that's worth mentioning, alongside uh, Ray Harryhausen, who influenced him. I think, you know, Phil Tippett, I think some of that juice he got uh, was from seeing films, maybe, oh, maybe I can, uh, you know, finish Mad God. There's these stop-motion films that come along every now and then in the underground, but you also have people like Tim Burton, whether you like him or not, you have to respect the fact that, you know, he loves stop-motion, and he pursues that as much as possible, even in films, you know, like some of his early films that weren't fully stop-motion, he always had stop-motion scenes in those, and just always brought that to the uh, consciousness of the viewer, you know, he always highlighted stop motion in all of his early films. So I think that's yeah. something that's sorely missing from a lot of mainstream th- films today yeah. to incorporate that type of thing. You know, like I said, Tim Burton, he's just a name that I felt I, I had to mention just because for my own personal journey, someone who loves animation, someone who loves stop motion, I wouldn't, I don't feel I would have that love as deep and the knowledge that I do without Tim Burton so
0: yeah I think uh for a lot of people like I, I'm not sure how old you are but like generally our age range I think we were introduced by Tim Burton into all this kind of Absolutely. stuff I, I'm pretty sure he is kind of the main entry point uh and right. then yeah yeah Ray Harry Allison's also on my list as well I mean you know you got to think if somebody is going to dedicate so many years of their life to making this kind of thing they probably love all of the stop-motion stuff that came before. And mm-hmm. I mean, who, who's better than Ray Harryhausen? So I think uh, definitely has to be on the list here. I'll throw another one in, too. Somebody else who has kind of kept the stop-motion uh, world alive over the last couple of decades, and uh, that's the band Tool and their music videos by Absolutely. Adam Jones. Uh, th- and those are really creepy, just fucked-up, mm-hmm. nightmarish visions, you know, just created that uh, really fit the music, first of all, which the music in this film is also awesome, uh, as well as the visuals, but you know, again, create like a kind of world that you just simply cannot see in any other kind of medium and things that you, you can kind of piece together ideas of what the story is and like what exactly is being said here. But at the same time, it's very much open interpretation and there, there are so many things you could kind of take away from it, or you could just kind of let it wash over you and just be like, this is just super cool.
1: (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. I actually had the Tool Music videos from Adam Jones on my list as well. Nice. It's one of the first things I actually thought of as I saw when I first saw images from the film it was one of the first things I thought of being such a big Tool fan for a long time so that is definitely right up uh, my alley and definitely something I had thought of so that's, yeah. that's right on. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go to another piece. What else do you got? So The next film I have on here is a film I've Never seen. I'd never heard of until recently. I uh, was listening to a, a, a interview and it came up, and it's a film from 2004 called Strings. It's a Danish film. Like I said, I've never seen the film, but the thematic, um, the thematics of the film actually sound very similar. They kind of conjure the title Mad God in your head. Um, mm-hmm. It's the film is actually I was reading about it, and it, it uses all marionette puppets. Mm-hmm. And um, talk about creepy. Right. Yeah. And it's one of those films that doesn't shy away from showing the strings, hence the title. So, mm. you know, it has a lot to do with that perspective of the artist, I feel like someone who pulls the strings. As sure. you know, Mad God suggests, you know, is Mad God Phil Tippett? He likes to say no, but I mean, mm. I do feel like this film, I can't speak to strings, but I feel like this film. In relation to just the impression I get from that film yeah this film is a lot about the uh, artistic experience the journey that an artist goes on to create a work whether mm. it be over a long period of time short period of time the struggles that go with that I don't know if you really listen to many interviews with Will Tippett but he describes you know having mental breakdowns while making this film I'm sure going through life you know i can only imagine maintaining a professional life in the studio and working on this film that took so long and you know most of the people that worked on the film were actually volunteers um so you know just that whole he talks a lot about the unconscious the unconscious artist and creating um a lot of this work comes from the unconscious mind so mm. i think that uh, applies to a lot of animation especially uh, marionettes, and you know, it just ties nicely into the thematics of those type of films and just that art form in general. So yeah. I thought that was a good piece. Like I said, I'd never heard of the film. I've never seen the film. Um, I did some little bit of research on the film and it was just so interesting. It doesn't look like it's widely available anywhere. Streaming. Mm. Um, it is a danish film i'm hoping to find a copy of it. i really want to check it out it looks very interesting actually james mcavoy is listed in the cast so i was like how have i never heard of this
0: yeah right i i brought it up as well and yeah it looks really cool i i'm like the visual style of it and everything um i definitely want to check it out
1: yeah the synopsis is definitely like something you can't do justice it's like i feel like you would just it's a film you need to see and it and like i said from what i gathered from the synopsis it ties directly into the title mad god i feel like it ties to that title yeah uh, mad god absolutely and i and i love that by the way about the
0: uh you know that particular interpretation of this you know just the the creative process and just you know how insane the creator is to have to put themselves through all this and and what's unfolding on screen probably having a lot to do with that I'll i'll go to another piece though and it's probably a a, a lot more commonly seen piece uh that would be the alien series uh i'll go with basically all of them though like everything from uh the original ridley scott alien uh with that just bleak world the insane creature design the geiger inspired you know creature design uh something that's going to kill you at any turn which in this movie mad god everything is basically out to kill you in numerous ways um in this just complete hellscape then to you know Aliens with things getting just a little bit more over the top and and crazy. Back to even bleaker with Alien Three, weirder creature design with uh, Resurrection, and then back to the bleakness and the uh, the prequels, the Ridley Scott prequels, which I do love. So yeah, I mean th- this is a very bleak movie. The the landscape that we're we're seeing shown through this uh, stop motion world. Everything is just death at every corner. Everything is just violence. The world has just been overtaken by just
1: nothing but violence and awfulness. And uh, it's wild. (laughs) Absolutely. And I actually had uh, Giger on my list, independent of the Alien films, just as a visual artist. I had a couple of painters on there as well, just as a collective piece. Um, I heard him talk about uh, Hieronymus, Hieronymus Bosch a lot. Mm -hmm. Bill Tippett being inspired by him. And I also picked up some visual inspiration maybe from William Blake and Francis Bacon. And uh, all four of these painters they all have very distinctive styles, but all of their work has this very apocalyptic feel to it, which I feel like Mad God definitely has. Mm -hmm. So I really felt actually, you know, not a lot of cinematic parallels or influences, but more. From literature and painting especially I think Phil Tippett you know I'm not sure if he's someone that watches a lot of contemporary films but he definitely seems like someone who does look at a lot of visual art and is influenced by visual art more so than maybe lots of contemporary cinema I think he's someone who looks back on classic literature and uh, classic art and you know he draws a lot of influence from that so I wanted to definitely mention those guys and you bringing up uh, Giger through Alien You know, yeah. Wow, yeah. I definitely had him on my list, but I didn't think about aliens specifically. But that's interesting, especially with all the creature effects and everything. Yeah, definitely something I could see.
0: Yeah. Like I said, just things that want to kill you everywhere. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, cool. I'll go to another piece then, uh, since you brought all those painters in there. Um, I, I mentioned I'd bring up video games. There's really a lot of video games we could talk about here. But the, I decided to just kind of pare it down to one. And I don't know if you're familiar with these, but the odd world video games? Yes. I do yeah. really remember those. total like kind of steampunk visuals these underground hellscape kind of locations weird monsters i i think it's the closest thing while while we could easily make an entire list of just games alone that i think feel like uh the world that mad god has created i think that's the closest one that we would
1: get absolutely and it definitely captures that eccentric nightmarish quality that mad god has those games i do remember I think I only played the first game, I think it was back in the late 90s. on the Yeah, I think 97. 97 right. on PlayStation.
0: There was just one last year, though, on PlayStation 5. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think I I think I heard a little bit about that. But yeah, um haven't kept up with the series, but I definitely do, it did make, make an impression on me as a, a young gamer, so I definitely do remember that world it created. And yeah, I can definitely see that. Nice. Well, uh, what do you got next? So um, for my next piece, I went with the Ultimate Midnight movie, and that is 1977, uh, David Lynch, Eraserhead. Yeah, on my list, too. <laughs> the reason I went with it, outside of some of the interesting uh, creature effects, is just the concept of cosmic horror, which I feel like Mad God really dips into in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on there. There's so many things you can read into the film, but I definitely feel like it has that scope of cosmic horror. And just, like I said, with the creature effects and Eraserhead. And one other thing, too, about Eraserhead, it's not a a silent film, but the majority of the film plays like a silent film Mm -hmm. outside of the music. I feel like Mad God does as well. Yeah. Almost nearly a silent film, you know? So I I feel like those parallels, definitely. And I feel like Phil Tippett is definitely someone that would appreciate someone like David Lynch. They're both such... Artist-driven uh, filmmakers, so I feel like that would be like a pretty good piece because um, they're both such singular visions that could only come from the filmmakers behind them. There's no one else that can make those films. So, not sure what you had to say on Eraserhead. Uh, I would just add, there's a
0: creepy. Messed up alien baby thing. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. there you go. Yeah. too
1: so. That's <laughs> absolutely what initiated the piece. But when you start thinking on it, you know. Yeah. There's plenty color, more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, for for certain, the uh, creature effects there questionable creature effects from a head. But that was yeah, that was my next piece. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I feel like this is a potential not potential with a definite uh midnight movie for the years to come so, oh uh, yeah get in there perfectly with something like eraser head which is you know one of those films you can just throw on after hours and just you just let it play in the background <laughs> yeah
0: I, i'm i'm so happy that a, a company like shutter is putting this thing out but at the same time i would love to see this with a crowd like a midnight movie screen that would be so oh, damn yeah cool. it would play so well yeah so I, I only have one more piece and, it's, you know, I'm sure, you know, real hardcore genre, uh, you know, film fans would just be like, what are you talking about? But uh, I got to go with James Cameron's Avatar. Um, oh, you wow. Know, Interesting. I mean, it, it's a work of pure, ridiculous vision that like, you know, no matter what. is necessary to make it happen. He's going to make it happen. Uh, We're now at the eve of finally seeing a second one after 10 years, and five of them plans. And, you know, James Cameron was like, look, this is what I want to make. I I do not care. I I have a a vision for what this thing is going to be. If it takes decades, that's fine. I need the technology. I need every last resource. It's got to be the exact vision. And so I'm just trying to think of, like, you know, just unparalleled vision and that's what I that's what I usually attach to avatar like it's not a 100% a successful movie like it, it was great in the theater it didn't quite work as well when you go to revisit it back at home but uh you can't deny that he set out to make something and put every last resource into it
1: yeah absolutely he has a vision just like Phil Tippett and it's an uncompromising vision it's a vision he put so much time into to develop the technology to realize his vision I feel like Phil Tippett did the same in a way by sticking it, you know, with it for so long over such a period yeah. of time. Even though he didn't work on it consistently for those thirty years, you know, there's dedication to that. And you know, say what you will about James Cameron, but the man definitely has a dedication when it comes to films, the films he makes, and he certainly has a passion. You can't take that away from him.
0: Yeah, I'd be really interested to see like a behind-the-scenes thing to see just how like the technologies being used in mad God changed from things that were being worked on in the nineties versus the early two thousands versus maybe the last five years of finishing it up. Like what tools were available to them that weren't in the beginning? I'm sure it was just such a process of changing technologies.
1: Yeah. And it really reflects in the film, I feel like the evolution of technology through the years. It's actually pretty impressive that, you know, the film, it's a very non-linear film but the film has any coherence at all it's just and I heard him sure. talk a little bit about the transition from film to digital. I'm not sure how he adapted to that, but I did hear him talk a little bit about the challenges of going from film to digital and I'm sure that shooting on digital or doing some of it in digital definitely opened up a lot of tools, mm-hmm. especially in stop motion that you know allowed him to do a lot more so to finally finish it right finally finish it yeah yeah yeah
0: (laughs) so uh do you have any more pieces you wanted to bring up
1: i have a few more um they're more jokey pieces i would say sure one of the pieces is solely based on the appearance of the assassin and when i saw the the appearance it made me think of the uh, richard stanley film hardware i don't know if you've ever seen that sure yeah From 1990 there's a Character at the very beginning of the film, who the outfit just completely it's you know very surface level, it just reminded me of that. You, when you look up the film, it's pretty much any frame you see is that character is dressed in the same, right? Right, get up almost entirely. So, I just it just flashed into my brain
0: that's a good that, one for that sure. appearance
1: of that character. And then, uh, brought him up earlier. I know you're a huge fan just from listening to the show, Charlie Kaufman, but. I was bluifully reminded of um uh, the character in Ant Kind, the filmmaker, mm. who was working on his stop motion film for I believe it was like ninety years. I can't Bingo. believe I didn't I can't believe I didn't think of that. Yeah. Like I said, it was just a jokey piece. I thought that would be kind of funny to mention that because I thought that kind of Yeah perfectly paralleled uh Mr. Tippett's uh, journey. You know, and That's and hilarious. Hoffman also always has a lot of um he uses puppetry a lot as a thematic device, so I thought that you, know, yeah. you could use uh, being John Malkovich, Anomalisa, you know, you could use any of those to uh, address that. But I thought that, was, that would be a funny piece. Um, yeah, so yeah, A little bit of a sure. deep cut if people haven't read Ant Kind, but they should definitely uh, definitely get on that. And um, just a recommendation um, to anyone that's seen this who may notice a cameo from a director. I'm not sure if you picked up on that. I did not, no. I actually did a little bit of reading and discovered the Alex Cox has a cameo in the film. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Alex Cox. That name sounds really familiar. I would say his most, I don't know, most well-known film. He's an an underground type of filmmaker. I believe he did the film Repo Man. That's probably his most (laughs) well-known film.
0: There you go. We just covered it, actually, just a couple seasons ago over
1: over on awesome movie Year. So, yeah, that's where I know the name from. Yep. And uh, the title I was going to recommend, I figured I would recommend one of his films. Strictly for the title, I thought it applied to Mad God is, uh, Straight to Hell. Nice. Which is this it's, you know, it basically defies genre. It's uh, action, comedy, everything, but just that, just that title, because I feel like, uh, Phil Tippett sent us straight to hell with this film, basically.
0: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I wonder how that cameo came to be. That's uh, that's another story we got to look into. Right, time. I
1: think it has something. Uh, I think he actually, his studio, Tippett Studios, helped uh, Alex Cock on some of his films, maybe with some visual effects, and maybe hmm. that came through as a bit of a favor, but I just thought that was an interesting yeah. uh, tidbit that he had a cameo in the film, and he's one of those cult filmmakers as well. Fits right in with um, a film like this. One of those people that it pops up and stuff, and you know, it's, it's like a big deal. Like, sure. you know, a cult filmmaker popping up in another cult filmmaker's film. So I thought just that, that mutual cool.
0: respect. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. right on. I'm gonna go ahead and
0: read down the list of everything we just talked about, and then we'll get to some closing thoughts. But uh, we talked about it's such a beautiful day. Uh, Baraka and Samsara and other Ron Frick documentaries, uh, the work of the Quay brothers and other surrealist stop-motion animated directors. We then went to Henry Selick stuff and Tim Burton, Ray Harryhausen, uh, Tool music videos, the film Strings, the Alien series, and then that led to H.R. Uh, Geiger and uh, Hieronymus Bosch and William Blake, a bunch of artists. Uh, also the Odd World video games, Eraserhead, Avatar, Hardware, Antkind. Great puzzle piece there. And a bunch of other Charlie Kaufman as well. And then we talked about Straight to Hell. Are there any
1: other things you wanted to bring
0: up uh, before we wrap this thing up?
1: Uh, I really think that's pretty much it. Just If you don't know much about Phil Tippett, if anyone sees the trailer for this film and is interested in the film, interested in Phil Tippett, I would say just go and do a bunch of research, watch a bunch of interviews with him. His career is absolutely fascinating. Just the evolution of his career up until Mad Guy and just, I really appreciate his vision and his artistic outlook on life. Just massive inspiration, massive, you know, I really love, even with filmmakers, when their films don't work hundred percent of the time, I would rather see an artist attempt something I've never seen. Right. Or just try things, you know, and I feel like he really achieved something with this film. I feel like it really paid off for him. And I'm very excited to see what he he does next i've heard him talk about possibly doing a sequel to this not on the same scale but hopefully we'll see some more uh actual feature work from him as a director and a filmmaker because i think he's he's just such a an, uh, unique and interesting uh artist and just his perspective and you know he's been working in the film business for so long he's one of those crossovers between generations and i just really appreciate his perspective and just his artistic uh vision
0: no great great you know great point and like you know i mentioned earlier about you know the house on netflix earlier this year i mean Mm -hmm. i think these are good reminders that there are so much weird cool stuff out there that is worth really discovering you know so yeah absolutely i I think that does it for mad god
1: is there another movie you watched recently you want to uh, recommend actually i do um and it's actually on shutter which i thought would be a nice tie-in since we're gonna be mad god Picked up by Shudder, um, and it's called Lake Mungo. It's from 2008, I believe, around that time period. And it is a, the best way to describe it would be it's a found footage horror film. The best way I sell it to people is if David Lynch did a Twin Peaks Firewall with me using found footage. Okay. I don't really want to say too much about the film. It's, uh, it's definitely one of my favorite horror films. This century, it's it's just an excellent film. It's uh, very effective. It's a slow burn, but it's I believe it's on Shutter now, and it's it's definitely worth worth recommending for people who who love um, artistic type horror films. And just it's one of the best of that genre, I would say for sure, mm. the found footage horror film. And uh, I recently rewatched it, and just I remembered why I uh, don't uh, revisit it often. It's a very effective film. <laughs> <laughs> so I would definitely recommend checking that out for people who are fans of horror okay
0: that, that's that's a good sell right there I, I've heard great things about it I've never seen it but uh, yeah, yeah now excellent. that it's on Shudder I'm going to have to uh, check that out so uh, awesome uh, Bradley this was great why don't you tell people again where they can find you and your work
1: well um, I'm on all social media you can find me on Facebook I'm actually in the Popcorn Puzzle Pieces group so you can find me there I'm usually in there every now and then you'll see me pop up in there so you can find me through my facebook all my social media links for instagram twitter letterbox i'm on letterbox as well is there so you can feel free to add me talk about movies i'm always happy to talk about movies with people so and you will be able to find all my work i share everything about my comic and the films and the production company uh i'm associated with so if you just add me on there and follow the links you'll be able to see everything on there i pretty much post any updates on all of my social media so that's probably the best way
0: awesome well uh, hey i'm so happy to finally get you on the show and i look forward to getting you back again sometime soon
1: yeah thanks for having me it was great
0: we are like the maury povich of podcasts people come to this oh. show because it's a train wreck
1: i'm giving this podcast three stars the coast keeps yelling at me
0: the people have clearly spoken Check out Whatever with Jason Soto on Anchor, Apple, Google, wherever you get awesome podcasts, or you can go to the home location at rabbitholepodcast.com. Second thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about urination. I want to talk about peeing specifically. See what happens when Jason throws out the segments. This is what we get instead. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Mad God. Thank you to Bradley for being on the episode. We've got Bradley coming back to talk about Alex Garland's men uh, very soon. And you can find that conversation already on our produced by David Rosen Patreon, which, by the way, Bradley, thank you so much for being our 10th subscriber over there. Uh, As we continue getting more subscribers on the Patreon, we're going to make more and more content for it. We, of course, have advanced and bonus episodes from Piecing It Together as well as bonus content from awesome movie year and bonus content from my music career. And, uh, by the time this goes up, I will have already finished the new feature film that I am scoring. So, uh, I will finally be back to work on both my next album and on putting together a new compilation album that I'm planning on posting exclusively on the Patreon. So lots of cool stuff hitting that Patreon soon. As well as the Uncharted episode, which I don't know when the hell I'm ever going to get to finish <laughs> posting it on the regular Piecing It Together feed. It's just going to live on Patreon forever, possibly. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But anyway, thank you to everybody who has subscribed over there. And uh, you can check it out, patreon.com slash Rosen. We would love to have you join. And, uh, well, that starts a dollar or three dollars for the bonus content and goes up from there for totally free. You can follow us on social media at piecing pod and get a whole bunch of stuff that way. Also our popcorn and puzzle pieces, Facebook group, which I mentioned at the top of the show is where I met Bradley and invited him to be on the show. I would love to have you in that group. Um, check it out. It's a closed group so we can keep out all the trolls and weirdos, but you can check it out. It's facebook.com slash group slash pod. It's the popcorn and puzzle pieces, Facebook group. Lots of great movie conversations are being had in there every day, and we would love for you to join. And it's up to me to accept you into the group. That way we keep all those weirdos out. So, yeah, you know. Anyway, if you enjoy what we do here on the show, make sure you're subscribed, rate and review, share it, all that stuff. We really appreciate you being out there listening. And time to wrap this thing up with a piece of music. And it was only a few months ago when we covered another stop-motion animated film called The House on Netflix. Uh, And when we did, I talked about a song I made called Back Into the Dark, which was on my album Head Like Fire. And that has a really cool stop-motion animated music video created by a visual artist named B. Landers. And I'm going to do that again because, you know, when something is as perfect of a uh, combination as a stop motion animated David Rosen music video and Mad God, this stop motion animated film that are both really dark and weird and fucked up, it's kind of perfect. I got to play it again. So I'm going to play Back Into the Dark again as the closing song for today's episode. You should go check out that music video. It's on my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Rosen. You can also check out my music website. It's by bydavidrosen.com. Uh, lots of great music on there and all my music videos and a whole bunch more. So, you know, you could check that out too if you're looking for something to do. But uh, yeah, let's play it. Back into the dark. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.